Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we're talking about your 12 and 29 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about Isaiah Stewart's ceiling, Frank Jackson taking advantage of more playing time, the good news about Killian Hayes' return, and a new segment I'm calling The Awful Thing About the Pistons That's Annoying Me. Yeah. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. What's up, Ben? Laz, how's it going, man? Hey, how about this? Pistons are on their longest winning streak of the season. So I'm doing pretty good. Two games. Yeah, yeah, two games. (laughs) Gotta love it. It's a two-game win streak. I, I feel like a streak is three minimum <laughs> like two is like you won back-to-back games he needs three in order to be a streak but i'll take it i guess yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a bit actually but i wanted to start with the biggest like with quote-unquote biggest news for the pistons this week uh we got some killian hayes news everything's going well from his uh hip subluxation He's ramping up practice uh, activity. We've seen footage of him at practice because the team is putting him out on social media again, which they hadn't done for the last, you know, eight to 10 weeks. Uh, He spoke to the media. He hadn't done that in a while. So it looks like uh, he'll be back playing for the Pistons in two to three weeks. So, Ben, what, what are your expectations for him? in the last, you know, 25 or 20 games that we're going to get out of him this season? Well, hopefully, you know, physically he's all there. I think, you know, the things that impressed me about him earlier in the season, uh, I think he's already ahead of the game defensively. We've talked about that. His length uh, is particularly helpful there. And, of course, we've seen his point guard skills and discussed those, right? He can he can pass the ball. He can uh, at least get to the paint. Uh, shooting has been a bit of a struggle, but he can, he can certainly get there. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to me to see uh, if the shooting touch improved at all. Obviously, being out for a couple months feels like a long time, but it isn't necessarily a, a long time you know, to develop new habits and new mechanics and those kinds of things. But, you know, maybe there was time for him to get to get some reps. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping what we see out of him is some of that natural point guard play, you know, that we saw early in the season. And then maybe if we're lucky, uh, a little bit of shooting that we didn't see so much of. Yeah, I we we have gotten reports that he's been you know working on his shooting during his rehab right i don't know you know we'll we'll see how much he was able to change without being able to you know stop and start go full speed for the bulk of his rehab but um you know perhaps there would be some some unforeseen shooting improvements on his end 
you you hit on the big thing. You want to see if he's there all there physically. I would not be surprised even after the the ramp up period that they have him going through that uh, he's not you know playing you know thirty minutes a night right away for this team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he came off the bench actually to start. That might be uh, you know we'll see where Delon Wright ends up after the trade deadline. But uh, I I do think and Dwayne Casey kind of mentioned uh, when talking about Killian about how he threw him into the fire a little bit too soon out of the gate by starting him right away and how that might have uh, you know, been the cause of or one of the causes of some of those shooting issues we talked about a little bit earlier. But yeah, this is this is good news. Uh we'll hopefully we'll see what he's got. Uh, but hopefully we'll see him him shoot the ball a little bit better, score a little bit better. I think that's what people are, are looking forward to seeing. Um and you know put just put together a body of work that he can build on going into next season, right? Because it was going to be it was going to be really tough coming into uh, year two. Um, you know, you, you assume he'd play like summer league or something, but if he had played seven really crappy games and like that it was the entirety of his NBA career, you can see how that would kind of like be really frustrating for a guy, for any guy. You know, much less like you know a nineteen year old coming over to the states for uh, or playing professionally in the states for the first time. And so you, you hope. Just like giving him a foundation of like uh, skill things to to build on on good performances you'll have against actual NBA competition to build on like mentally and physically you know heading into next offseason. and like yeah I'm just it it it'll be you know, hopefully we'll see all that um, and while I say that he'll probably make the team worse <laughs> right like as as nineteen year old point guards are want to do. Uh, speaking of worse. Let's let's talk about that win streak. <laughs> Pistons have won their last two games, um, which is good, right? Winning games is good. It's it uh, it has, however, knocked them from the second worst lottery odds to the third worst lottery odds. That is not good. In that, uh, you know, the top four teams, I think, I believe the top three or four teams each have the same lottery odds of the number one pick, but your tail odds get worse. The uh, worst or the, the better your record is. So, you know, uh, the, the worst team in the league can get the fifth pick at the, at the base, at the bottom, the second team, in the league, league, the second worst team in the league can get the sixth pick, et cetera, down the line. Um, you know, this, the team is playing well, they're playing hard, but they're playing a lot of young guys. Like I, I know there are a lot of fans who don't want to see the team win. Ben, we, we got a tweet from our own Brady Fredrickson earlier this week, like during one of these games about how, the Pistons are playing like both of their two-way players, twenty-plus minutes a game. They're they're relying on the entire roster, but like if they if they're not going to lose playing two-way guys, like maybe they're just not going to lose these games. So Ben, uh, is it bad that this team isn't bad? <laughs> well, first of all, a little perspective, right? The the bottom three teams are 10, 11, 12 in terms of their total wins, and the Pistons at twelve are the best of that that crappy bunch. So it's not as if (laughs) the tankathon has been decided, right? There's only a, a two, a two game difference in the win column among those three teams. And you get past that and you've got Orlando, which is a little bit better. And then it jumps even a little bit after that. So I mean, tankathon's not over. Um, But you know what? I, I think Brady is right. You can only play the guys you have on the roster and this team, you know, no matter who's been playing all season, this team has been, 
a team that fights to stay in every single game, right? Like you think about how bad the Pistons are in terms of their record, but then you think about each individual game and it's not like you can look at that many games where it was just an awful blowout, right? Like they're in it just about every night. They've beaten some of the uh, top teams in the league and, you know, Weaver and, and Casey have said all season long they want to be competitive, right? And and they have been, in spite of the fact that they've lost a lot of games. They really have been competitive. So, I mean, short of purposefully, like, you know, designing plays to lose, like, which they're not going to do and shouldn't do, um, they're doing what they ought to be doing. And, you know, if that means they get the third pick instead of the first pick or something like that, um, you know, Short of just intentionally throwing games and dives, I I can't imagine what they can do, and and I can't see any NBA team in good faith, you know, trying to to throw games. Right, that's going to get you in more trouble than it's worth with the league. So, yeah, I mean, would I love them to get the first pick and have the very best odds of not dropping past five? Yeah, I would, because I've been joking about the fifth pick all season long, right? But, um. The flip side of that coin is you've got to be happy with, in particular, the way that some of these young guys have been so much better than you thought they'd be. And that's that's a big part of the reason why uh, they are where they are. And I think you've got to take that uh, as a huge positive as well. Yeah, I I think that last point is the most important thing, right? If If the team was winning games, and I guess, again, like they won two games in a row. And before that, I believe they had lost four straight. So it's not like... This team is like all of a sudden ripping off like five of seven or anything crazy. If they were winning back to back games because, you know, Jeremy Grant scored 40 points like every night, um, like that would be good. But that like also wouldn't necessarily reflect the the strength of the future of the franchise. Like this team is winning games because guys like Frank Jackson, who we're going to talk about, because guys like Saban Lee, Sadiq Bey has been really impressive. We're going to talk about him. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, because like these young dudes have been playing, you know, far beyond their their limited years in the league. Like that's a big part of the reason why the team is playing so well. And so you would rather have that development and uh, being having that uh, having that to build on and the you know third pick than uh, you know no development at all. All your kids suck. Um, you wasted you know two first round picks and you know you didn't really get a great look at your first first round pick uh and you know the first overall pick right you well i don't know actually that, that's that's kind of a tough call the second <laughs> overall pick we'll say but it's good that the kids are playing good if they're winning games because the kids are playing good that's fine and the other i mean like and you, you look at what what teams they're up against right um minnesota which I believe is the worst team in the league still from a wins and losses perspective. Um, like they've, they've been playing well since they fired their head coach, Ryan Saunders and hired uh, Chris Finch, right? They, I believe they've won like two of five games, which considering they had like nine wins before is, is a lot, right? The, the Houston Rockets on the other hand have lost, I believe now it's 20 games in a row, 20 games in a row. And they, you, you can't compete with that. You don't want to lose. 20 games in a row that's bad that's bad karmically that's bad psychically that's bad for your locker room that's bad for your front office like i'm, I'm you know the they played their uh 20th game uh, slightly before we started this recording ben and i'm like looking at the press conference and steven silas starts like 
the, the he starts the press conference with like 20 seconds of silence just like his hands on his heads because he, he doesn't know what to do it's like that even like yes like getting the first pick is good but like you also like don't want that right you don't want your coach like at his wits end 40 games into a season right like there there's more to there's more to this nba experience and there's more to nba life than just losing a bunch of games for no reason all right ben uh i wanted to talk to you about frank jackson we sort of ignored frank jackson during (laughs) our, our grading episode that's on me that's my bad sorry frank frank's been uh you know putting us to shame this week um, he's been inserted into the starting lineup after Wayne Ellington has been uh, cough, cough, hurt, cough for the uh, last couple of games, and he's uh, he's played not bad. He's scoring 13 points a night, shooting 58 percent from three in in those three games. Um, you know what we 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 got to talk about him now, Ben? Huh? <laughs> we got to talk about him now. That's for sure. Um, yeah unexpected moment of the year is is frank jackson essentially leading the team to victory or pretty close to it right um Mm -hmm. i i think you look at the the pistons roster and it's like we have all of these guards now right what are we going to do with all of these point guards in particular uh i think Dwayne Casey has kind of decided, well, I just kind of have to play two of them at a time all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's managed to lead to two wins in a row, which again, another super unexpected part of the season. Um, Obviously we need to see where his three point shooting settles out, right? 58% is kind of superhuman and not going to keep happening. Um, I also would like to kind of see how much of a point guard is he? I mean, he's kind of been playing off the ball a lot when he's been in, the lineup in particular with DeLon Wright. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I've talked about this a few times. It, it's nice to have friendly competition, right? Where you've guys got the same position fighting for minutes, right? That can bring out some of the, the best effort and intensity in the practice sessions. And then when you give guys an opportunity, they're hungry and, and they want to cash in and take advantage of it. So, you know, kudos to Frank Jackson for being ready to play and, I mean, play phenomenally. Just step right in it and play fantastic basketball. Yeah, I don't think he's a point guard. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's point guard sized. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think he's a point guard. Um, you know, in this stretch of games, he has averaged less than one assist per game. That's bad for a point guard. But for a guy who's just going to come in and shoot the ball a bunch and shoot the ball well. Um, it's not, it's, it's not terrible. You know, you could do worse. Uh, I, you're right in that we should figure out where his three point shooting comes to level, but the, the book on him always coming into the season was kind of that he was more of a scoring guard than, than a point guard. And so, um, that like, that is, that's proven to be true. So it, if he's just a, a short two guard, uh, if he's like, if he's a, a Langston Galloway, right, we, we spent a long time debating the the merits of trying Langston Galloway at point guard when we should have just you know uh, you know accepted him into our hearts as just a short shooting guard. Um, I, I think that like that that's a fine outcome for Frank. But yeah, we have a it's Frank. So like Frank is like the third or fourth guy this season that's uh, played really well in a Pistons win. That I've just like scratched my head in in the backcourt. You had the uh, the Saban Lee game in Orlando. You've got the the Dennis Smith triple double against Toronto. You've got these these Frank Jackson games against, especially the one against the Rockets, like like you mentioned. 
Like it, it just it like I. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> this is not like what this doesn't make any sense. Like I don't know, and Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Jackson like probably aren't going to be on this team long term, right? And it's so it's good that you're helping these guys rehabilitate their value and um, show the other 29 NBA teams what they've got. But uh, yeah, like this, this is just weird, man. This is a weird season, Ben. All the way around, it's been a very weird season. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of weirdness, oh man, next next topic. Okay, you promised me 30 seconds on this, and I can filibuster <laughs> for the other four minutes and 30 seconds. So we got a uh, we got an aggregation from I believe a podcast from Brian Windhorst of ESPN that the Pistons are interested in Victor Oladipo. Ben, do you have any interest in Victor Oladipo? Only if they're not giving up anything important. I mean, my comments on him would be some of the obvious ones. You've obviously got injury concerns uh, on a game predicated so much on his explosive athleticism. So that would be the big concern. And then when you look at his game, he's he's a fairly mediocre three-point shooter. And you look up and down the roster, you kind of already have that covered, so to speak. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give anything meaningful up for Victor Oladipo. But if you can get him for spare parts for, you know, the next 30 games and get a, a real close look at him, I mean, he's he's got enough of that explosive, unique athleticism that, I mean, I'm not going to be opposed to it if, if there's not not much sending out in return. Yeah, if so, if all it takes is Dennis Smith Jr., Rodney Magruder, and Delon Wright, that's that's like not that much for for Victor Oladipo, especially and and even if he decides like I don't want to stay in Detroit long term, which is perfectly acceptable, he's on an expiring contract, right? He's got twenty one million dollars or whatever of uh, expiring money, and so you're you're cleaning out your cap. You know, obviously uh, the team. Uh, has a decision to make on Dennis Smith Jr.'s qualifying offer, which is not insignificant. I believe it's in the neighborhood of like seven and a half, eight million dollars. Rodney Magruder has a partial guarantee for next year, and they've committed to Delon Wright. Delon has a couple more seasons, I believe, on his contract. And so, if you were you know, really in the cap space clearing mood, like I can see why the Pistons might possibly be interested in this. But this is like purely a salary dump right like this is purely he's he doesn't want to be he's not going to want to be in detroit uh he's already turned down a rather reasonable extension i thought from the uh from the houston rockets uh, in search of like a, a very long-term uh deal with you know a, a team he's been interested in a long time um the other thing with victor oladipo that you know lets you know that he won't be part of the long-term future in detroit he's already 28 it's weird to think about. I felt like he was just like in the the slam dunk contest. I felt like he was just, you know, dueling LeBron in the in the playoffs, uh, you know, yesterday. But that was that was like three years ago. He's twenty eight now. He'll be twenty nine uh, before the season ends. And and so like with this team going as young as it's going, I don't think he he makes a lot of sense in the long term for the Pistons. And so like yeah, if they traded, if you trade almost nothing of value for Victor Oladipo, like sure, you should absolutely do it. But if you, if the Rockets, the Rockets have said that they want, you know, uh, a pick, a good pick or a young asset, right? They, they basically gave up on Karis LeVert in order to get Victor Oladipo in the James Harden trade. And so like they, they want, you know, to recoup some of that lost value. And I don't blame them for that, but you know, the Pistons are not in the position 
of the team that's going to give out stuff right now. They don't have any stuff to give out. Yeah, they right? don't have much. <laughs> not, and, and, and so, like, is yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense. I'm sure that Victor Oladipo will be very happy in Miami in six months, but uh, I don't know if they're a pit stop in Detroit for for 18 weeks is is the remedy for that. So yeah, that that's three minutes on Victor Oladipo. That's not as good as I promised, but I tried. All right, Ben. Uh, next thing is uh, beef stew. I want to talk about Isaiah Stewart this week. So Matthew Way over at Detroit Bad Boys, shout out Matthew, had a great piece this week about rethinking his ceiling. Um, we've seen him shoot really well from three over the last couple of games. Matt also pointed out some really uh, impressive um, defensive uh, improvements he's made over the second, over the, it's not the second half of the season, but like over the last, like, you know, set of games. I remember in particular a couple of possessions against Kyle Lowry, the the foul grifter, where uh, Stewart managed to not foul him, and that was really impressive to me. So, Ben, uh, does the way the shooting has started to come together really early in as Isaiah Stewart's career, combined with the defense improvements that we've seen so far this year, does that make you reevaluate what you think his ceiling is? Well, the thing to remember – well, first of all, let me say shout-out to Matt. That was a fantastic post. Uh, he's got some really nice video examples of the specific points he's talking that I found super helpful. So definitely go read that if you haven't. Matt, really good writing, really good piece of writing there. Um, you know, the thing about Stewart to me is that he's still so young. Um, he's still 19, right? He's, um, you know, you think about the fact that Seku is close to the same age, and we always talk about how Seku is just such a baby. Mm-hmm. Compare the NBA readiness of a guy like Isaiah Stewart with a guy like Seku Nubuya, right? And consider that they're almost exactly the same age. It's, it's pretty striking. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about this kid's ceiling. Um, if he can somehow manage to be a stretch five on offense while also doing all of your traditional big man kind of stuff on defense and at the rim that he, you know, is already doing, then that's absolutely fantastic. Um, as I mentioned, Matt in particular talked about defense in the pick and roll. His lateral quickness and movement was one of the concerns. Uh, Matt pointed to some of the ways that he seems to be improving in that area. That's fantastic and hard to do, right? I mean, defending the pick and roll as a big is one of your most important defensive responsibilities in the NBA and he appears to be adapting. So, you know, how good could he be? You know, I, I don't, you know, he's obviously not going to be like a Bam out of bio or somebody right? that's not his mold and not the kind of player he is, but absolutely. I think we should be uh, careful about slotting him into just a garbage man on offense in particular, because uh, it appears there's, a, there's potentially quite a bit more there. And that is absolutely huge because, you know, as I keep talking about, if you're rebuilding, you got to draft as many guys as you can, and then you got to get a little bit lucky. And if Isaiah Stewart is the real deal offensively, then, you know, that's one of those pieces of luck that I think you've got to be really happy about. No, absolutely. I felt like Matt was addressing that piece directly to me simply because I've said, I think, you know, Beef Stew is a long-term backup center so many times. <laughs> but uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Ben, in that, his his youth and the improvements he's made so far point to uh, him being much better than you know I perhaps gave him credit for. Uh, I was always worried about the the physical limitations, 
but the the physicality and the the motor just really seem to transcend that the and now so now i find myself wondering like what what kind of player can i use as a framework for how like beef stew is going to operate right i'm thinking about like the the Serge Ibaka we have now for the Los Angeles Clippers, where he's you know mainly a stretch five. His main job on offense for the Clippers is to space the floor, but he's also still a really good shot blocker. And he's not he hasn't he's never been like an amazing rebounder, but he's a solid rebounder for his position. It's like could could we get Beef Stew kind of like that mold? Could we get him to uh? kind of what we always wanted like Jason Maxiel to be right like a a guy who can make knock down some shots on on offense give you a lot of energy and and rebounding on on that defensive end and make some plays some impact plays defensively um tweet who tweeted this somebody tweeted this earlier this week and if, if beef stew is just like Ed Davis with a three-point shot like that's a really good player and so I, the the defense is the biggest thing he's going to need to continue to make strides on that front and he's going to need to you know transcend the physical limitations again uh, on defense but he's done everything we've asked of him so far and so there there's no there's no reason for me i'm, I'm talking to myself now it's like you, you can't put a limit on what what this kid's capable of at 19 if he's already kind of broken through your expectations of him so like yeah like you know he he could be he could be a, a starting center on a playoff team which is which is you know not what you expect at the you know 16th overall pick at, at 19 years old but that definitely looks like a, a open future for uh for isaiah stewart and, and the detroit pistons which is crazy to think about well and how refreshing is it last to see the pistons develop young guys in, sh- in such a short timetable i mean i feel like our franchise in particular has been one to give up too soon on young players it has been so refreshing to see isaiah stewart sadiq bay and Saban Lee, and even, you know, to some degree, Frank Johnson, even though he wasn't our uh, draft pick, uh, just just make really interesting and significant strides in develop, development right in front of our eyes. It has been absolutely, in my opinion, the saving grace of the season. No, I'm I'm right there with you. And, and that brings us into our next guy, a guy that, okay, so I've got the phone, pulling open Twitter, scrolling to Woj's page refreshing we'll just page okay nothing so seku dumbuya is still on the team as we record this podcast <laughs> but uh that that's one guy who it looks like um you know the pistons are, are trying to be patient with but his development has been much more uneven than some of the other rookies and some of the other guys that we've talked about on this team so far um i thought he played with the requisite level of of energy that you know i needed to see out of him this week but that didn't make his numbers any better and that didn't make his uh his production any better so so ben where where are we with seiki right now yeah i mean that is literally the best thing you could say about his week is that he played yeah. with some energy um i watched this game's this week's game's kind of out of sync the most recent one i watched was the raptors game and i think he had two air balls in that game, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he's still kind of doing sake of things, which is to say uh, really struggling. Um, I mean, I, I think I still think they should continue to play him because, again, winning is not the goal. But I don't know. I did not see anything this week that, that made me stop and think, oh, yeah, there's – well, let, let me take that back. He did have one really nice cut and finish. And, again, I think this was Toronto. Um, yeah. But I just – I don't know. There wasn't much there for me this week that I was excited about. Yeah, it's 
it's almost like sad that I'm that I'm like we have to, you know, golf clap for this kid when he plays with the right amount of energy. And you know, we saw this against the Spurs when uh, Jeremy Grant got hurt. Um, he was, you know, playing. I think he played like extended minutes for in that game for the first time in forever, and that did really seem to kind of activate him. But uh, the team also, like you know, the team busted out Tyler Cook, the uh, the guy on the ten day they just signed um, in the second half of the Houston game. You know, rather than play Seku uh, another six minutes in, in the second half, and so uh, you know, again, I've just checked. I just checked Twitter. He's still on the team. You know, give us until the twenty fifth, and we'll see. Like if that if that remains the case after the twenty fifth, but yeah, like just it's not it's not in a great place with with Seku. We can be we can be honest and open and admit that. And uh, with the again, like with the development of some of the other rookies on the team, some of the other young dudes on the team, we at some point we have to place the the bulk of the quote unquote blame for Seku's lack of development on on Seku. Honestly. Yeah, I've got I've got one potential positive. Okay. And it's not it's not even about him necessarily. The thing I, I come back to over and over when I think about him is the the ridiculous offseason that the entire NBA had and the entire world had with respect to basketball. Right. So he, he you know, he kind of took off and went back to back to his home without necessarily notifying the team. But what that meant was he spent a long time away from his teammates and his coaches, et cetera, due to the coronavirus pandemic, right? If I were the Pistons, in spite of the fact I'm not seeing much in games, I do think I would like to have one offseason with him where I can really put him through the ringer kind of on my own terms instead of on his own terms outside of supervision. So I think that fact, plus you're probably not going to get much of value for him in a trade anyway, would lead me to believe that just holding on to him is worth it to give him that one summer's worth of really intensive work uh, to see if that could produce some more development than we've seen so far. All right. That's a good call. I agree with that. All right, Ben. Uh, next guy is Jeremy Grant. So Jeremy Grant's had an interesting couple of weeks. He had, he had that quad contusion that caused him to miss the first uh, or the last two games prior to the all-star break. Um, you know, he came back from that. Obviously, he's played the last couple of games. He had a, he had that really hard fall against the Spurs that you know you know we talked about gave Seku the opportunity, um, and and so obviously he wasn't having a good night that night, and he didn't finish the night against the Spurs. You know, bounced back against against the Rockets. Um, you know, made the game ceiling uh, basket over Kyle Lowry, um, but then really struggled against the the Houston Rockets. And I, for what. I can think of as the first time I can recall, we, we kind of saw some open frustration from Jeremy Grant, you know, after a couple of jumpers, he's kind of doing the, uh, the shoulder sag. Like, I can't believe that, uh, that I, I'm not making these shots. Um, he, he like jumped up and like swiped at the net like one time after, uh, after a shot that I can remember. And so it was like, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned i'm not going to use the word worried because whenever i use the word worried ben you're always like no i'm not worried so i'm not <laughs> going to use the word worried but uh I- i'm concerned about jeremy grant Did, ben does he look like he's slowing down to you do i do i got this wrong i don't think of it wrong Laz. i think i think it's completely justified to to have some amount of discomfort let's put it that way with with jeremy's production you know i think I like Jeremy the most when he's, first of all, not in isolation. And then second of all, going to the rim rather than shooting mid-range jump shots. And 
I think what it will be interesting to do, um, and I thought about doing this this week, but was just would just kind of plot like how many mid range jumpers has he been taking over the course of the season per game, and is that increasing or decreasing? Right. So you look at his first ten games versus his second versus his third and fourth. Right. Subjectively, what I feel like I saw this week was more settling for the jump shot in the mid range. And, and I really don't like that from him. I don't mind it once in a while because you're trying to keep the defense honest, right? You don't want guys just sagging off you and, and trying to clog the paint because they know that's where you're going. Um, but at the same time, you, you don't want to settle for it more than you need to because it's it's probably the least effective tool in your arsenal, especially if you're Jeremy Grant. So um, that's something I think we need to pay attention to. How many mid-range jumpers is he taking? The second thing that that leads to is how many free throw attempts is he getting? This week, he actually got to the line fairly okay. I think it, San Antonio in particular, he only made half his free throws, which is way out of character. Uh, but he, he got to the line a fair amount, and that suggests to me that his head's in the right spot and he's doing the right things. Um, the last thing that I'll mention that I think will be interesting over the last stretch of games here is after Blake Griffin sort of left the team, Mm-hmm. And maybe in the, the week or two immediately prior to that, it became evident to everybody on their scouting reports that this was Jeremy Grant's team, right? The first couple weeks of the season, I sort of joked about the fact that people were still sort of still double teaming Blake Griffin and letting Jeremy Grant roam free and do whatever he wanted. Now it's not like that. The reason I bring it up now is because I think you're seeing, um, in particular, Sadiq Bay become a a pretty potent option. And I think the Pistons need to figure out a way uh, to run some sets that, that really take advantage of that fact and not just let Sadiq be, you know, the guy who drifts in the corner waiting to, to spot him and shoot. Because I think what that might do is alleviate some of the focus that Jeremy Grant is having to deal with on a nightly basis. He's having to go, you know, he's not necessarily getting double teamed all the time, but if you watch when Jeremy has the ball, the, the entire five men defensive unit is on alert for what Jeremy Grant is going to do individually. And I think scheme-wise, the Pistons have to figure out a way to break that up a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm seeing the same things you are, Laz. Um, I, I do think, though, there are some things that you can try schematically uh, before it becomes, like, upgrade status, like caution level orange or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I I agree with you. I would love to see them try and get Jeremy – some more corner threes, right? I've talked about this in the past. That's a really good like rhythm shot for him. And it's really hard to create unassisted corner threes unless you're like James Harden or something. And so um, if you, if you're, you know, you have an action uh, happening on, on one side, you and Jeremy Grant's just kind of uh, stuck on the, uh, the op- on the weak side and he's in the corner like that. That's a deadly spot for him. Um, we've seen him convert in those spots. And so that, that makes him a more effective player. Um, we, we're going to, we're going to talk about Sadiq Bay in a little bit. Um, that is a really nice, like wing tandem. We, we got a little bit of national notice, uh, for that wing tandem after the Raptors game. Um, but yeah, like we, we got to get Jeremy some, some easy looks schematically. I think that that is one of the, uh, that's one of the big critiques we've had of Dwayne Casey over the last, you know, three years as he's been the Pistons coach is that he's not always the most, uh, inventive offensive mind. Um, especially when it comes to a star players. Um, but uh, yeah, we, the, more has to be done to facilitate the uh, the production of Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant shouldn't have to do it all on his own. 
All right, Ben, it is, we are 41 games into our 72 game season. Normally we'd be halfway through, thankfully, blessedly with this terrible team, we are more than halfway through. And I, I'm, I'm admitting to you and everybody else who listens to this, I'm starting to slow down a little bit. It's, it's been, even with the wins, it's been tough to watch this team for 40 times uh, over the course of the last three months. Um, and it's one thing that's like helping me cope is complaining. It's like, I, I know we don't do a lot of complaining on this podcast. We like to, we like to talk, talk in positives. We like to talk in, in uh, more, more optimistic spins, but uh, this week I'm going to create a new segment. It's going to be called the awful thing that's annoying me this week. <laughs> so Ben, my awful thing about the Pistons that's annoying me this week is DeLon Wright Ugh. on the fast break. He yeah. cannot run a fast break to save his life. And it kills me, especially because I'm imagining the coaching staff like Killian's over there on the bench um, and, and they're looking at DeLon playing the point guard position. They're asking him like, hey, Killian, like, what would you do in that situation? <laughs> and Killian's like, well, I tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't not convert on a three on one fast break for, for no reason. It's like I wouldn't not do I wouldn't not like stop dribbling at the three point line and kind of pull the ball, the ball back out and let the defense set. It's like I would I would figure something out. And Delon, on the other hand, Delon's just like, nope, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run. We're gonna run some offense. We're gonna do things slowly. It's like this is not fun, Delon. It's working, but I hate it. I hate it the entire time you're doing it. And so that is that is the annoying thing about the Pistons that's killing me this week. Ben, do you have an annoying thing? Do you have an awful thing? I'm gonna start getting one. That's for sure. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> if if it's open season, I'm complaining. You know, I can come through for you in the clutch on this one, last. <laughs> No, it's so funny because I had a conversation with Albridius on Twitter about this, and he pulled some really interesting numbers that I, I should have flagged for this because it the, the comment I made in response to him, his comment was almost identical to what you're saying. And my comment was, you know, how much do you, how confident are you that it's just Delon? Because the Pistons have been always slow. Like forever they've been slow under Van Gundy, and now under Casey they've just been a slow-paced sort of team. And he pulled some really interesting numbers showing how with DeLon on the floor, the Pistons are even slower than their their normal averages and so on and so forth. So you're not imagining this one, buddy. It is real. And, you know, hopefully, if nothing else, Killian Hayes can give us some running because, good Lord, do we need it. Yeah, the, the last Pistons point guard that was exciting to watch, the last starting Pistons point guard, it was exciting to watch on the fast break was Brandon Jennings. Right. Oh yeah. You know, for sure. we had we had Ish Smith and Ish Smith, Ish was fun and he did a lot of damage in transition. Um, but like just from a starting position, it was you know Reggie Jackson used to love to walk the ball up at the sixteen uh, minute mark or sixteen uh, second mark and start the offense. Then it used to drive me crazy. Delon can't run a fast break to save his life. Can we? Can we just get some exciting basketball? Can we just get some some transition stuff? That'd be that'd be nice. And and for a young team, it's it's nice to create easy opportunities. Right, it's nice for them to to see the ball go through the basket every now and then. Not have to worry about creating in the half court the entire time. Anyway, I'm gonna stop complaining because once I start complaining, I, I never can stop. So that's why I don't do it often. So we're we're gonna limit this to a single segment, but this is gonna be a weekly thing. Okay. Hopefully, uh, nothing uh, goes super bad every single week for the for me. All right, but and so since I'm complaining, I don't want to end the podcast complaining. I want to end the podcast on a positive note, and there's no more positive note I can think of this week than the play of Sadiq 
Bay. Since the All-Star break, in 30 minutes a night, Sadiq is averaging 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 1 assist, uh, shooting 38% from 3. He's been more aggressive going to the rim, more skilled uh, attacking the basket just in general. He's shooting uh, 3.5 free throws a night, which is uh, more than I expected when I looked up the numbers. He's shooting 94% from the line in that span. Um, and so, Ben, I, I wrote it one way. I'm going to ask it a slightly, slightly different way. <laughs> ben, can you remember Luke Kennard having a stretch like this? Ooh, oh, interesting. Um, man, they're such different players, right? Like, Sadiq is big and strong and physical, but they produce a lot of the same outcomes, which is, you know, knocking down shots. Um, the thing, I'll, I'll say it this way the thing that has impressed me about Sadiq in this recent stretch of games is the not the spot up shooting. It's everything else on offense other than the spot up shooting that is clearly developing again, right in front of our eyes. He's, he's got a nice little, you know, back a guy down, give a little shimmy, um, you know, 12 foot fadeaway that he's knocking down. And as you mentioned, drawing fouls. So look, if this kid has more of a refined offensive game uh, behind the scenes than just being a three and D sort of player, Pistons obviously struck gold with him as well. Him and him and Beef Stew, surprising me on an almost nightly basis. So, um, you know, comparison to Luke Kennard is is necessary because we were critical, and I was particularly critical of the trade uh, that sent Luke away. But I mean, yes, it's I'm completely satisfied with the outcome of that trade now that we've seen what Sadiq Bay uh, is becoming um, because he certainly. Uh, replacing Luke's production. And I think in spite of the fact that they're very different players, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Sadiq's probably got more untapped potential than Luke does at this point in his career. And for a rebuilding franchise, that's the kind of thing you want to have on the roster, right? This young guy who's got more, more left to show you than he's already shown you. So I'm, I'm, I am now over the Luke Kennard trade and, and fully a Sadiq Bay fanboy. I love it. So I asked I, so I asked about Luke because I did want to ask about Kawhi Leonard, who is who uh, and James Edwards the third at the athletic kind of in a, in a peak of madness compared Sadiq to Kawhi Leonard uh, after <laughs> one of those 12 foot fadeaways. They're like that's too much. but like the Luke Kennard thing definitely that's a more realistic comparison and, and I'm right there with you ben all right ben uh that's all i had you anything you wanted to talk about this week that we didn't get to uh how's i miss you doing in the tournament last oh my, oh <laughs> <laughs> so so bad i stayed up to watch that game the game ended at like something like one o'clock eastern uh. in in the morning and i at first, I thought Aaron Henry got fouled, and then you see the replay, and he, he didn't get fouled. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's no way they went in overtime. And so, like, yeah, they, they absolutely deserved to win or to lose that game. Excuse me. They absolutely deserved to lose that game. Uh, thus ends the most crap-sackiest Michigan State basketball season I can remember in the last five years at least. And, uh, yeah, I don't pay a lot of attention to recruiting, but I will be very interested to see who they've got on the team uh, next year. Yeah, they, they got to restock, restock the shelves a little bit. They're a little talent bear. Yeah, we're, guard, nice, some good guard play would, uh, would go a long way on, on this team. 
How, how's uh, how's Michigan doing? You guys beat uh, Texas Southern, right? Yeah, fairly easy win. I mean, the the, the loss of Isaiah Livers is really the it, – it's going to be too much of a blow for them to overcome, I think. Um, I, I expect them to win tomorrow, and then I think from there it's going to get a whole lot harder. I, I don't necessarily expect them to get out of the Sweet 16, unfortunately. How did Franz look? He is, I would say uh, – more, more and more NBA ready the more I see him play. Um, his length is ridiculous, um, and he uses it so well, especially defensively. Um, his offensive game is still really, I wouldn't say raw, because what he has is refined, but it, it's still sort of primitive, I think, um, mm-hmm. if you're going to try to make the leap to the NBA game. Um, but I think the last time you asked me about this, I was – sort of undecided, but I like him more and more as an NBA prospect, the more I see him play. Um, and I, I still do worry about his athleticism a little bit, but I think his length, particularly on defense might, might make up for that fact. Okay. I, I'm going to continue to rely on your scattering reports because after Michigan state lost, I'm not watching in the tournament. I don't have to, <laughs> you can't make me. <laughs> My bracket is so busted Laz. So yeah, I, I'm watching for pure fun at this point. <laughs> the uh, what it was, Ohio, not not Ohio State. The Ohio State obviously lost famously, infamously. We could talk about that if you wanted, but uh, Ohio University, right? Like they won, and so I've I've seen the uh, the joy about the uh, the breaking of the brackets on social media. It's definitely. so funny. I so I I kind of made a bet with a friend, um, and I. I said I'd pick Ohio State to win it all if he picked Michigan, and so I did. <laughs> I picked Ohio State to win oh, it all, no. <laughs> and he picked Michigan. So my bracket was done on day one. <laughs> See, that's that is what. Let that be a lesson to exactly. everyone under I, the sound of my I voice. Deserve it. I deserve never it. bet on Ohio State. Never, <laughs> never, never align yourself with Ohio State. I deserve it. All right, Ben, the uh, Pistons play the Bulls tonight. We are recording prior to the game night. I don't know what happens because it hasn't happened yet. They play the Pacers on Wednesday. They play the Nets on Friday, and they play the Wizards on Saturday. Ben, are we going to keep this win streak going? Well, I care more about that Washington game. I I hope if we get to three and then lose three in a row, I'm okay with that. But I'd like to see us lose that Washington game because that's really like losing twice, right? Mm Because it's one of those teams we're fighting against. No, in in the Tankathon standings, absolutely. All right, Ben, uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can uh, find your work, where they can uh, align themselves with Ohio State uh, in, <laughs> in the future, I guess. Yeah, feel feel that pain. Uh, at BR Golker on Twitter and the comments at DetroitBadBoys.com. Uh, and, of course, if you want to make fun of me for uh, anything Rocket Watts did in the second half of that UCLA game, you can do so on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. See you.